Her name was Elizabeth, and she had lived her entire life longing and hoping for the beautiful blessing that we are celebrating today. She longed and hoped for the blessing of becoming and being a mother. Now today it's quite different. Many women today opt out of motherhood for a variety of reasons. Everything from personal career plans to the sheer inconvenience of it all. For them, today is a slightly wistful occasion perhaps, wondering what might have been. But they'll shake off those feelings by mid-afternoon, carry on with their busy lives, and maybe never give motherhood a second thought until next year. But for others, today is a painful reminder because like Elizabeth, they long and hope to become mothers, but they've never been afforded that opportunity. They feel stymied because they remain single in a world of couples, or maybe they feel cheated because they remain childless in a world of parents, those happy, proud, doting parents, parents with the baby pictures and parents hosting the birthday parties and parents with the busy but beautiful lives. And so they do try to rejoice with those that rejoice, but really, in many ways, they just feel robbed. And I know there's pain there, and we're praying for you and honoring you on this day. And it's hard for any of us to comprehend now, especially if you've struggled with some of those issues that I just mentioned. But if you can grasp this, it was even worse for Elizabeth because in her culture, being childless wasn't thought of to be a medical issue or a choice. Being childless was thought to be a curse from God. And Elizabeth had lived now many decades trying to negotiate her loss and her longing, her dashed hopes and her deep hurts. And she battled her feelings of deficiency and inferiority every day. The smiles of others just made her inexplicably sad. Their joy was her injustice and their fulfillment was her emptiness and their blessing, well, that was just her unanswered prayer. And yet, this is the wonderful thing about Elizabeth. She remained faithful despite her frustration. She wasn't bitter about it. She didn't blame God. She actually blessed God. She lived to serve and worship God. And we pick up her story in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. These are good people. These are righteous people. These are faithful, prayerful people. But here's the bottom line of their story. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. In other words, Luke says, it's an impossible situation. And it's not like today when medical science would say, well, we need to do some testing or evaluation and we'll find out who's at fault if there is a fault. <laughs> no, in that day, it was always the woman who was blamed. 
Elizabeth is barren. She has no child. And it's her fault. And she and Zacharias live this lonely, empty, aging life without a child. And everybody thinks, well, there's something wrong with them because God has cursed them with childlessness. And then it turns. You see, there were 18,000 priests in that day who ministered in the temple in Jerusalem. And those 18,000 priests were divided into 24 courses. And each course would serve two weeks out of the year. The high priest would then take whatever course of priests, whatever group of priests was serving in that two-week period, and he would cast lots to see which priest would perform what ministry. And wouldn't you know, it just so happened, Luke tells us about it, that Elizabeth's husband, Zacharias, he just happened to be chosen to burn incense in the holy place on the golden altar that stood before the veil leading to the Ark of the Covenant. He couldn't go in there because the holy place was the closest that a regular priest could ever hope to come to the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant. Only the high priest could go in there. So even being in the Holy of Holies, even being standing in front of the altar of incense, right in front of that veil, that was a high honor. And because there were so many thousands of priests, an ordinary priest could maybe only hope to have that honor, burning incense on the altar of incense right next to the veil. He could only hope to have that honor once in his lifetime, if that. And wouldn't you know, Zacharias just happened to be chosen for this sacred duty on this otherwise ordinary day in their lives. Neither he nor Elizabeth could have imagined in their wildest dreams what was about to transpire and how their lives were about to change. Luke records it in verse 11. He said, There appeared unto Zacharias an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. You would be too. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. That angel's message stunned Zacharias, and he began to do what we often do when we've lived through a long, long season of unfulfilled dreams and unanswered prayers. He did what we often do. He let his logic fight with his faith. And he allowed his emotions to argue with his miracle. Zacharias said to the angel, whereby, how shall I know this? Don't you understand, Mr. Angel, I'm an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. We can't have children. There is no way. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I just came to you from the throne room of God. I am sent to speak unto you and to show you these glad tidings. But Zacharias, because you let your logic fight with your faith and you allowed your emotions to argue with your miracle, there's a little bit of a penalty for that. Behold, thou shalt be dumb. You'll be mute, unable to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. 
Why? Because you believe not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. A lot of people make that mistake that because the word of the Lord isn't fulfilled today or this week, they stop believing, they start doubting, they start arguing and questioning. But see, every word from God has a season when that word comes true. And so Zachariah's penalty, if you will, was that he wouldn't be able to speak for the next nine months. And maybe that was a good thing because he might have talked himself out of the miracle that God wanted to give him. The angel brought a word from the Lord. And since Zacharias asked for a sign, he gave him perhaps the best gift of all. Zacharias wouldn't be able to question God. He wouldn't be able to argue with his promise. He wouldn't be able to verbalize his doubts for nine long months until their baby boy was born right on time, right on God's calendar in the season when the word was going to be fulfilled. Sometimes I wish God could do that for some of us. He could just let us not question. It might be good for us because we can talk ourselves out of our faith in the word of God if we're not careful. In verse 24, Luke says, and after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me, and he has taken away my reproach among men. In one moment, when an angel appeared with a word from God, Elizabeth's curse, her lifelong frustration and hurt and emptiness and pain was overturned and overruled and upended because of a word from God. Now, Zacharias might have been overwhelmed when that angel appeared, but Elizabeth was overjoyed. She was finally going to get to be a mother, but God wasn't finished yet. It was about to get way more miraculous than this. Six months into her miraculous pregnancy, that very same angel, Gabriel, brought news of another miraculous pregnancy, and this time that news came to Elizabeth's young cousin, whose chances at motherhood were even more impossible because she wasn't just old, she was a virgin named Mary. Luke chapter 1 verse 36, Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, this is what the angel said to Mary, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also has conceived a son in her old age. Mary wouldn't have known this. They probably lived at some distance and they didn't see each other. They had no way of connecting so the angel told her, your cousin Elizabeth, this is impossible. You've known her all of your life. She's elderly. There's no way for her to conceive a son, but she has conceived a son in her old age. It's a miracle. And it's now the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then the angel adds these words. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. In the Old Testament, God asks a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord. But in the New Testament, he makes a statement. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I address people today, not only in our church family, but many others who are watching or will watch this message or this service. And I would ask you God's question and I would give you God's statement. First of all, is anything 
too hard for the Lord. I know it's hard for you. I know it stumps the doctors. I know it puzzles your financial advisors. I know it is a source of great consternation in your family. And you say, it's impossible. But is anything too hard for the Lord? And in the New Testament, God said, I'm going to turn that question into a statement. And here's my statement. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I don't care how long it's gone on. I don't care how bad it's become. I don't care what the symptoms are or what the diagnosis is. Nothing is impossible with our God. He can do anything. Somebody who's watching today, somebody who's listening today, you need to consider God's question and God's statement. Your diagnosis or your dilemma may be impossible with man, but it is still possible with God. Our God specializes in the unworkable, the unattainable, and the unimaginable. Our God easily overcomes the inaccessible and the insurmountable and even the inconceivable because his power is immeasurable and his grace is inexhaustible. You can't get so far in a situation that God can't reach in and pull you out and turn it around. You can't have such a setback that his grace can't reach you and pick you up and return you into his favor and into his kingdom. So Mary, she comes and she lives with her cousin Elizabeth for the next three months. She stays to help until the birth of Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, who just happens to be the forerunner of Mary's baby, Jesus the Messiah. And when they meet at that moment, when Mary makes her way from her home and she makes her way to Elizabeth's humble little village and humble little house, when Mary walks onto the property... Not only does Elizabeth rejoice for Mary, but in her womb, John rejoices for Jesus. The baby in her womb leaped for joy at that moment. John's witness of the Messiah, it doesn't begin in the waters of the Jordan River. John's witness of the Messiah began in the amniotic fluid of his mother's womb 30 years before anybody in Israel had basically heard John's name. It came to pass, Luke says, that when Elizabeth just heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and the Holy Ghost, God's Spirit came upon Elizabeth and she began to prophesy. A few months later, Elizabeth gave birth to her promise and everyone in the neighborhood is now rejoicing with her. An elderly woman having a baby. It seems so unexpected and so unbelievable to them. But here's what you've got to remember. This day of her deliverance had been marked on God's calendar not from the moment of John's conception, but from the moment of Elizabeth's birth. The day she was born, God had her steps planned out. The day she was born, God had her destiny decided. If she would just follow the Lord, there were all kinds of miracles, all kinds of promises, all kinds of provision. Could I say to you that the moment you set your face and make up your mind to serve God, it unfolds the rest of your life. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. God has a destiny for 
you and it's locked up in only one thing. Will you give your life to Jesus or not? Because when you do, he begins to order your steps in his word. God's calendar had that date circled from the moment Elizabeth was born. Even her name means promise. When her parents decided on her name and they named her promise, they didn't know that they were speaking prophetically, but they were. Now, Zacharias, on the other hand, he still can't speak. It's not because he can't get a word in edgewise, and I'll just leave that there hanging. It's because he's still mute. God has still silenced his mouth. But there's a reason. Well, why would he still be silent? Because everybody's rejoicing and the baby's born. But see, Jewish baby boys, they weren't named until the eighth day when they were circumcised. So the promise isn't complete without the name being applied. And so Zacharias still has to wait eight more days. And when that day arrives, those same neighbors all gather around. They've been holding that little baby boy. They've been crying tears of joy and smiling big smiles. And they've been congratulating Elizabeth and Zacharias, who just kind of sits there and nods and smiles. All of that's been going on for eight days. But when the day uh, for John's circumcision arrives, eight days after his birth, those same neighbors, they begin to argue with Elizabeth because they want to observe Jewish custom. And they want to name this baby Zacharias Jr. They want to name him after his father. Now, there's nothing wrong with that normally, even in that culture. But this is not a normal situation. And that's why Elizabeth, she just can't take it anymore and she speaks up. Maybe she even feels like she got out of her place a bit in that society. But she speaks up. The Bible says it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they actually set it all up. They don't even ask her her opinion. And they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. They're about ready to tag this name, Zacharias, an honorable name, a, a good name, a, 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 his father's name. But they're about ready to put it on a baby boy in contradiction to the promise of God. And that's when Elizabeth, she just can't take anymore. And his mother answered and said, not so. He's not going to be called Zacharias. His name is going to be called John. Zacharias' name means remember. And that's what so many people in your life want you to focus on. They want you to look backward instead of forward. You see, many people, they want to name the miracle you've waited for so long. They want to name that miracle. Remember? Remember, you've got an impossible diagnosis. Remember your situation, it can't turn around. Remember what your kid said. Remember what your spouse said. Remember what you did. Remember how you failed. They want to name the miracle you've been praying for, hoping for, waiting for, longing for. They want to name your miracle. Remember. Remember the odds are against you. Remember the statistics say this can never happen. Remember that person, it didn't work for them. Remember that situation, it didn't turn out either. And they want to name your miracle. Remember. 
Remember what the doctor said. Remember your limitations. Remember what the banker said. Remember your complications. Remember what your family said. Remember your frustrations. Remember you have a situation you can't get out of. You need to name your miracle, remember. Because the past says your miracle, it can't happen. But Elizabeth refused to hear it. She refused to look back and remember the pain and the problems of the past. And so she said, not so. You are not going to minimize or marginalize my miracle. Not so. His name is not going to be Zacharias. His name will be John. His name is not going to be remember because I'm not looking backward. His name is going to be John. Favor because I'm looking forward. And my rear view mirror may have some hard stuff in it. My rear view mirror may have some bad situations in it. My rear view mirror may have some horrible memories in it, but I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward to the favor and the blessing of God because God is birthing something new in my life, a new beginning, a new page, a new start, a new heart. So you need to rise up today because everybody's telling you now, remember, this doesn't happen for everybody. Remember your family background. Remember your mom and your dad. They, they, they didn't do very well. Remember, you've got backsliders all over your family. Remember, you know some prayers that weren't answered. Remember all of the negative. Remember all of the defeat. Remember all of the doubts. And everybody's trying to tell you that your life is going to be the same. But I hope you get the spirit of a Elizabeth, a great mother on this Mother's Day. Not so. Devil, my diagnosis is not my destiny. Not so. My backslider is coming home. Not so. My family will be saved. Not so. My breakthrough is coming. Not so. My prayer will be answered. Not so. Just like Elizabeth, God has your miracle marked on his calendar. There is coming a day when years of barrenness are going to be turned into a miraculous moment of blessing that will change everything. So keep praying and keep trusting and keep believing for with our great God, nothing shall be impossible. So dare to stare in the face of the evidence. Dare to stare in the face of the circumstance and the situation and all the negative, doubtful words from everybody else and all of the emotions that seek to rise and pull you down in your own mind. And you just need to stand today and say, not so. That is not what's going to happen to my kids. I've got concern, but I refuse to have fear. Not so. That is not going to be my future. I know the odds, but that's not going to be me. Not so. Motherhood celebrates the birth of something new. That's why we're here, because all of you precious mothers, you gave birth to new babies that grew up to be faithful saints and Wonderful Christians and good citizens. Motherhood celebrates the birth of something new. 
And that's what God would like to do for some battle-weary believer today. You may not be a mom. You may be a, a dad whose uh, furrowed brow, it betrays years of, of prayer and frustration and battle and hardship. You may be a new believer and the devil has attacked your faith and right now you feel so separated from everybody else that's serving God, from everybody else that's part of your church family. Yes, you can watch online, but it's not the same and you're missing that fellowship and the devil's tried to pull you back into your old thinking and your own habits and your old lifestyle. He's tried, but I want you to stand up today and say, not so. I am not going back there. My miracle is too big. My promise is too great. I'm not going back there. Motherhood celebrates the birth of something new. God wants to give something new today to a battle-weary believer. He wants to birth something new in your life, in your home, in your situation. I stand here today and I tell you, God has not failed you. His word is still true. His love is still enough. His grace is still amazing. His power is still real. And his promise is still within your reach. So don't give up at the 11th hour. Don't give up at the last mile. Don't give up just before you see it. The prophet Isaiah, he spoke and he said this, who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? It's, it's unimaginable. It's unbelievable. Who's heard it? Who's seen it? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? He's talking about the miraculous birth of the nation of Israel. Israel came back together as a nation. Unprecedented in world history. But in one day, one day they were not a nation. The next day they were a nation. For as soon as Zion travailed, now he shifts gears. It's not just the nation of Israel. It's not just geography or politics or world history. It's a spiritual principle. As soon as Zion travailed, as soon as the people of God prayed and kept on praying, believed and kept on believing, interceded and kept on interceding, as soon as Zion travailed, it's not easy. Labor wasn't easy for any of you moms that are listening. Birth isn't an easy process. But as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. And here's what God says. Shall I bring to the birth and, and, and not cause to bring forth? W would I bring you right to the edge of birth and then not let the process continue, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and then shut the womb, saith thy God? Would I bring you right to the precipice of a promise? Would I bring you right to the edge of a miracle? Would I bring you right up to you trusting my word and then not bring you through, not carry it out? Would I do that? Obviously, no. This is a message for mothers today. It's especially for you, but it's not only for you. This message today, on Mother's Day 2020, a strange Mother's Day to be sure, with all of the uh, uh, businesses and our society and so many things shut down, all of us feeling distant from each other, it's a strange day. But this message on Mother's Day 2020, it's not just for moms, it's for everyone who feels caught between the now and the not yet. 
It's for everyone who has tried and failed. It's for everyone who has loved and lost, hoped and hurt, believed and battled. It's for everyone. This message is for everyone who's trusting God for deliverance tomorrow, but you still find yourself struggling with doubts today. I stand here as pastor to many of you and as a voice to all of you. And I say, you are not wrong. You are not backslidden. You are not unique. You are not forsaken. You are not alone. God is walking with you right now. Your emotions scream, remember, remember the odds, remember the statistics, remember what happened to that family, remember what happened to that person who prayed, remember that unanswered prayer, remember that failure. Your emotions scream, remember. But your faith, if you can hear it today, your faith is shouting favor. God does hear me. God will heal me. God does bless me. God will answer me. God does strengthen me. And my God will deliver me. That's what faith is shouting at you right now. Don't let, it drown, don't let uh, faith be drowned out by all the negative voices and all the doubtful voices and all the hurtful voices. As the music comes back, I want to read you one more scripture tonight. One more scripture in this beautiful Mother's Day service. John chapter 7 and verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's a, a, a beautiful Hebrew word in there. Belly, we just read it and kind of don't even think about it. Because we know it's about the Holy Ghost. And we think, well, out of my belly, I'm going to have from my being, rivers of living water are going to flow. But that's a very specific word. Kolia. It doesn't mean stomach as in food. It means womb as in birth. It's a great scripture for Mother's Day because here's what you need to know. Regardless of your male or female, young or old, a new believer or seasoned saint, Jesus said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said. The very next verse tells us he's speaking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So let me talk to every tongue talker here today. Let me talk to everyone who has experienced that powerful and beautiful gift. And let me also talk to anyone else who wants that gift and you're desiring that gift. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost wherever you are today. You don't have to wait till you can come back to a church building to receive the Holy Ghost because it's his promise, not mine. It's his promise, not our denominations. It's his promise, not our church congregations. Jesus said, if you'll believe on me, as the scripture has said, out of your womb, male or female, doesn't matter. 
you have in you, placed by the Holy Ghost, a spiritual womb, a birthing place. Out of your spiritual womb shall flow rivers of living water. What are you saying, Jesus? I'm saying when I fill my people with the Holy Ghost, it's going to be so powerful that their prayers can birth something. It's going to be so awesome that their prayers can turn around situations that normally would have defeated them. But they can birth something through the power of my spirit. And out of that spiritual womb that I place in them, a place of faith, not doubt, a place that believes God over the report of the enemy, that's the place. And out of that womb, out of that birthing place, will flow rivers of living water that will wash away pain, sickness, hurt, disease, destruction, devastation, doubt, and fear out of that birthing place of the Spirit. So on Mother's Day, I say to every mom, every dad, every child, every saint of God, keep praying because your prayers are about to birth something. In Jesus' name, keep praying because your prayers are about to birth something. I know the evidence. I, I, I know the diagnosis. I know the symptoms. I know the circumstance. I know the opposition. I get it. It's there. I'm not trying to discount that. I'm not trying to put my head in the sand and say, oh, that's minor. That doesn't exist. I know it's major. I know you've dealt with it, maybe like Elizabeth, for weeks, months, years, and decades. But I'm just telling you, for with God, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. Your prayer can turn it around because you're not praying to yourself. You're not praying to an imaginary force up in the heavens. You're praying to God. So with the determination of Elizabeth, a wonderful mom, on Mother's Day, we say, not so. I refuse to believe the devil. I insist on believing the word. I refuse to listen to doubt. I insist on following God in faith. Not so. My situation is going to change. Not so. My sickness is going to be healed. Not so. My son or daughter is coming back to God. Not so. Devil, you have no power over me when I am covered by the blood of Jesus, filled with his spirit and in covenant with his name. Right now, I want to pray with you. I think it is really important, in fact, critically important that you pray with me. Don't just listen to me pray. You need to pray. Because God wants to birth it in somebody's spirit today. Not so. It's not going to turn out like I thought. It's not going to turn out like I feared. It's not going to turn out like I anticipated. It's not going to turn out like the devil said. It's going to turn out like God said. And with God, nothing shall be impossible. Lord Jesus, right now, I pray for every person that is listening. Right now, I pray for every mom and dad, every boy and girl, every young person, every single adult, 
I pray for every senior saint. I pray for somebody that they needed this message. Even if all the rest of the church didn't, they needed this today. Because today is the day when they're battling doubt. Today is the day when they're battling frustration. Today is the day when they're facing pain. Today is the day when they're suffering. Today is the day when their emotions are a mess. Today is that day for them. And so I speak against all of that. And I say with Elizabeth of old, I say not so. That is not the final word. That is not the end of the story. That is not the last verdict. But the word of God stands forever. Not so, devil. I trust in the name of the only true living God. Jesus, you are the God of power and strength. You are the God of healing and hope. You are the God of forgiveness and grace. And God, I pray right now, as your people are praying in a variety of places around our city and far beyond, as your people pray, God, lift them up. Give them that renewed confidence in your word. And out of their womb, out of that birthing place that you put in their spirit, let the river start to flow again. Let the river be renewed. Let the river take away the doubt. Let the river wash away the fear. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let it be done. Let it be done. Let it be done. I'm going to ask the music team to sing one more time. They're going to raise the screen and let's just end this service in an act of worship today where we reach out to God because God is going to give somebody the victory. God is going to give somebody the answer. God is going to give somebody hope again. God is going to show somebody that your promise is very, very close to you. Don't lose hope in the middle of the journey. Look at the devil and say, not so. My God is not a liar. My God is going to deliver me. Let's sing, let's worship, and let's end this service with an act of praise to God.